good to be with you today. It's a little dark outside. Was it dark when you got up this morning? Yeah, it felt like the shortest day of the year or something like that. But it was a little dark, but it's, it's good to be inside together, isn't it? And we're worshiping the Lord. The birthday girl is going to come and lead us in our scripture reading today. I'm glad it was Pastor Stefan that's going to get in trouble and not me about that. So uh, we're turning in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 20. Oh, sorry. Do that one. Try, try. It's true, you do. It's true, you do. 50's not so bad. I can handle it. <laughs> A long time ago. All right. 1 Kings chapter 20. We're starting at verse 26. The next spring, Ben Hadad mustered the Arameans, and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. When the Israelites were also mustered and given provisions, they marched out to meet them. The Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks of goats, while the Arameans covered the countryside. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills, and not a god of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands, and you will know that I am the Lord. For seven days they camped opposite each other, and on the seventh day the battle was joined. The Israelites inflicted a hundred thousand casualties on the Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest of them escaped to the city of Aphek, where the wall collapsed on 27,000 of them. And Ben-Hadad fled to the city and hid in an inner room. Thank you, Wendy. Quite a story that's recorded for us here in the book of Kings. And I'm trying to go over some of the Old Testament stories and uh, pick out some lessons for us. And let me go back with you and tell you the story as it's recounted here for us in 1 Kings chapter 20. Quite an interesting story. Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, so of, Ar of the Arameans, really from Syria. He's from Syria, quite close. Ben-Hadad, quite an interesting name. You don't hear that name around a lot, but I think it probably we should, because Ben-Hadad, if you look at it, Ben means son of, right? So anytime you see it in the Bible, son of, now that makes sense, doesn't it? Son of Hadad. Ben-Hadad, right? I mean, we should have that name around a little more often. I'm surprised we don't hear it more often. But you don't. This is about the only one you read about. Ben-Hadad, he's the king. And he decides he's going to attack Israel. He gathers 32 other kings. So there's a lot of people, a lot of soldiers that are coming against the nation of Israel. And they come and uh, surround Samaria. And before they attack, he sends his messengers. And he says to Ahab the king of Israel, he says, listen, here's a proposal for you. All your silver, all your gold, all of the best of your wives and your children. Interesting how the Bible puts that, isn't it? It's not just all of your wives, but the best of your wives. I mean, if you're going to get the, some of the wives, you may as well get the best ones, right? I'm not sure how many he had. That's another whole story, right? But he, he says the best of your wives and your children are mine. And you know what Ahab says? He says, take the message back and say, yes, sir. 
everything that you want, I'm yours, no problem. Well, you know what's going to happen there, right? It's sort of a negotiation going on. Well, the messenger comes back, says, this is what Ben-Hadad says now. Tomorrow, some of my officials are going to come, and they're going to go through all of your stuff, and they're going to pick out not just what I've asked for, but they're going to pick out whatever they want, and they're going to carry it away. And Ahab calls his advisors. You've got to love the way the Bible's written. He says, man, this guy's looking for trouble. Apparently, it wasn't trouble when he wanted the best of his wives and all of his gold and silver before. But now he's going to come and take everything, right? And so the advisors say, listen, don't listen to him. Don't do what he wants. Don't do what he wants. So Ahab says, well, messenger, go back and tell him, listen, the, the, the first request, no problem. But I, 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 I can't do the second one. Well, when Ben-Hadad hears that, he says, okay, now you guys are in trouble. And I'm making a vow now to the gods. If tomorrow after I come and destroy you, there's going to be enough dust for every man to pick up a handful. In other words, they're going to wipe you all out. There's going to be nothing left. And so they gather their army and march out towards Ahab. When Ahab hears that, he, he makes an interesting comment. He says, hmm, one who puts on his armor shouldn't boast like the one who takes it off. Man, that's a great line. I wish I'd thought of that line. I wish I'd written that line. You know, in the English language, we say stuff the same way, sort of. Not, not so good. But, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You know, this is a better line. Isn't this a better line? The one who puts on his armor shouldn't boast like the one who's taking it off. In other words, you know, there's been trash talk forever. Trash talk isn't new just because the NBA is here. Where's Pastor Stefan? It's not just here now because of, you know, but, you know, guys today, man, can they trash talk? Oh, the talk beforehand all over the place, you know, all kind of stuff. And that's our world today. It's all talk. It's all talk, you know? This guy was trash-talking back then, thousands of years ago. And Ahab says, listen, hang on a bit. One who's putting his armor on shouldn't boast like one who's taking his armor off. So they come. And fortunately, a prophet comes to Ahab and says, listen, because Ben-Hadad's coming and attacking you, I'm going to deliver this vast army into your hand. And Ahab says, how's that going to happen? He says, well, listen, take the junior officers. Let them be the ones that lead. In other words, not your strongest guys. You're going to see that God's in control here. Let them lead out. You'll be the king. You'll, you'll lead. But the junior officers, about 232 of them, they'll lead. And then the rest of the army, only about 7,000. Only about 7,000. So they march out. And all the junior officers kill somebody that they're coming against. And the Syrians are so upset and, 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 and shocked that they flee, and King Ben-Hadad and all of his crowd, with their tail between their legs, hurry home. And the prophet says, Ahab, listen, king, don't be too complacent, because they're going to come back. They're going to come back. They won't believe it. They think they can do better. So get ready. They'll be back. Well, when Ben-Hadad gets back to Syria, he gets all of his guys together and says, what happened? 
How did we get beaten so badly? And the advisors say to him, we thought about it. And, you know, we've discovered and thought that their God is a God of the hills. And we attacked them on the hilltop. How stupid. Are you allowed to say stupid in church? How stupid were we? So next time when we attack them, we won't attack them on the mountaintops. We'll attack them down on the plains, down in the valleys. Because their God's a God of the mountaintops. We've got to get them down where their God isn't there. And then we'll definitely win. Get your army together, put new officers in charge, get the same amount of soldiers, same amount of horses, get everything ready, and next spring we're going to beat them. And the prophet comes back to Ahab and says, where we started to read today, because they said that I'm a god of the mountains and not a god of the valleys, I'm going to be your God, I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to give you victory over Ben-Hadad and all of the Syrian army. You thought you had victory before, just wait till you see what happens now. Most of us know Psalm 121. We quote it quite often. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from heaven, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He watches over Israel. He's our God. He's going to be with us. Why is the psalmist quoting that? Because in that time, all of the religions, all of the people around, they thought, you know, if you can get to the highest mountain, it's closer to heaven, so that's where you're going to be closer to God. So that's why you read in the Old Testament that all of the false religions, they had, they had their places of worship on the high places, right? Because they wanted to be high, close to God. In other words, if you can get on the mountain, you'll be close to God. And the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Here's my interpretation. Here's what I think. He says, where does my help come from? Does it come from the top of the mountain? Does my help come just because I get closer to God, supposedly? No. My help comes from heaven, from God. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's a God who's all over the place. He's on the mountaintops, but he's down in the valleys with us as well. That's the God that I serve. I don't have to go to a mountaintop to find God. I don't have to do a pilgrimage to find God. I don't have to climb on my knees up a certain amount of steps through broken glass. I don't have to beat myself. God is my God. That's what he's talking about. And I'm amazed at the length that God goes to here to show to people that he is God so that Israel and Syria and everybody would know that God is God. Hallelujah. So there's two sort of lessons that I pick up here. The first thing that I see and that I, is very obvious, we talked about this last week as well, is that God is a God who comes to the assistance of his people. He's not a God who's far off. He, he knows what you're going through. He knows the troubles that you find yourself in. He knows the conditions of the world. He knows that other people will come and want to do evil and bad things towards you. He knows all that. And he's not a passive God who just sits in heaven to mind his own business. He's a God again and again all through the Old Testament I see it. God comes to work for his people. 
When there's trouble, when there's disturbance, when people are against you, God is our God. Hallelujah. We are the people called by his name, the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him. And God, over and over, the story we talked about last week, the same thing today. God always is at work for his people. One of the things that we come to church for is that when we come to be in the presence of Jesus, when we come to worship him, something happens inside us. There's a stirring of the Holy Spirit within, within us. As you hear the word of God, something happens inside so that you will have your faith rise up. You'll start to believe that, yes, God is God. The same God who was with Ahab, the same God who we read about through all these stories in the Old Testament, this same God is the God who is our God today. He's alive and well. Hallelujah. He hasn't vacated the throne of heaven. He's our God today. So we can have faith, not just when we go through exactly what they went through, but when we go through the disturbances and problems and issues and pressures of our world, we can believe that that same God who doesn't change, nothing is impossible with him. He wants to come and help us. He loves to come and help us. He loves to come and be in the presence of his people. That's why Jesus said, if two or three of you will get together, I'll come and be in the midst. And when a couple of hundred of us get together, Jesus loves to be here. Hallelujah. If Jesus isn't in the house, we are wasting our time. If Jesus isn't in the house, if his presence isn't real, then we can't expect to receive the good things that God has got. But when we come together in Jesus' name, we are believing that through Jesus Christ, his son, who came into this world, God wants to get involved in our lives. Hallelujah. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. Because we worship and pray to a God who hears us and answers our prayers over and over again. Hallelujah. I love the fact that Jesus said that he will come and dwell within us. We ask Jesus to come in. with Little children, you know, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Why? Because he comes right inside. He comes to dwell with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He takes the residence within us by the Holy Spirit's presence. He comes and lives inside us because he wants to be with us every moment, every day. Good days and not so good days. Jesus is there. Hallelujah. His presence is real. What a joy to experience the presence of Jesus. Majesty. Worship his majesty. Jack Hayford, who wrote that song, wrote hundreds of songs, but that's probably the most famous of his songs died just about two weeks ago. Man, I, I, I think that, what, that that's probably one of the songs we're going to sing when we stand around the throne in heaven. Majesty, worship his majesty. Jack Hayford will be up there conducting the choir. We'll be singing together along with him because he's wonderful, because he's beautiful, because he's precious, because he is an ever-present help, not just in times of trouble, certainly then, but all of the time he's with us. Hallelujah. But the second lesson, and this is the main point of this, this account that, that we get here, and this is the main point that I want to share with you today. The Syrians made a fatal error in their judgment and their understanding of God. They said, listen, he's a God of the mountains. He's a God that's there. But he's not God of the valleys. He's not there. So if we want to have success against his people, we're not going to go where he is and where he's strong, God of the mountains. We're going to go down in the valley where he isn't, where we can have our way. 
Because God isn't the God of the valleys. And we've read, we've talked about the fact that God goes to tremendous lengths. He does all sorts of interesting things. He sends his prophet over and over again to remind us that God is God. Hallelujah. He's God of the mountaintop. He's God of the valley. He's God on Monday. He's God on Friday. He's even God on Sunday. Hallelujah. He's always God. You know, one of the groups of people that I used to feel very sorry for was the guys that used to have to change the numbers at the gas stations. How many of you are old enough to remember that? Remember that? They'd be changing the price of gas almost every day, right? And so some poor guy, that was his job. He'd have to go out and take the numbers, and he'd have to go out to the, uh, out to the roadside, and he'd change the numbers, you know, and, 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 and now you could tell when you were driving by how much, how much it was going to cost for that price of gas. And when you drove by next time, the number would be changed because some poor guy was getting paid minimum wage to change the numbers all the time, right? The price of gas was up and down like a flea on a dog's back, Right? Up and down, you never knew what the price of gas was. It was always different. It was always competition. One time, I remember one time. Now, we're going back a little while. I remember one time when the price of gas was down to one cent a liter. So it was about 50 cents to, lead, to fill your tank. And I think, oh, God, just please once in my life, just once, let that happen to me. Right? How, how many are with me? Anybody? Sure. Wouldn't it be great? And you know... When the price of gas was up, oh, we were all sad. But when the price of gas was down, we were all happy, right? And it's just like the weather. When the weather's good, we're all happy. Hallelujah, this is a wonderful day. Sing and praise. But when the weather's not so good, ah, our feelings are bad. Our feelings are like that too, aren't they? Our feelings are up and down all the time. And you don't have to... No. Better be careful. Even men's feelings are up and down, I was going to say, but I'm glad I didn't say that. Because <laughs> I could get in trouble saying something like that, right? But it's true, isn't it? Feelings up and down. Some days you meet somebody, oh man, this is a good day to meet them. Some days you meet them and you wish you hadn't asked, how are you doing? Because they're going to tell you, and they're not having a good day, right? Because their feelings are up and down. A lot of life is like that, up and down, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that many people, including people who come to church, who know Jesus Christ, would say, either with their mouth or with their actions, that we believe that God is a God of victory. He's a God of blessing. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. He is. He's a God of blessing. Hallelujah. He's a God of victory. You read it all through the Bible. It's recorded for us. So in other words, we would interpret it to say that when you're on the mountaintop, when you're living in victory, hallelujah, when God is blessing you, everything's going wonderful, God must really love me. Because look at all the good stuff that's happening. Man, oh man, isn't this awesome. My prayers are being answered. My wife's being healed. My children are, 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 are good. You know, it, it's fantastic. But when things aren't going so well, when people are sick, when people lose their jobs, 
when your husband or wife leaves you, when you're down in the valley, well, obviously God isn't with you because God's a God of victory. And he wouldn't be with you. That Maybe God is displeased with you. In fact, some loving Christians would give you the good news, you must have sinned. Must have sinned. It must be your fault. You've sinned somewhere. You better get that straightened out because God is obviously displeased with you. That's why you're going through the trouble. He's taking all this stuff away. And if you were really good, and if you could just smarten up a little bit and do what you're supposed to do, you'd be back on the mountaintop because God blesses. We as human beings have got a hard time getting away from that feeling. We see somebody who's sick. We see somebody who's struck with a disease, and somewhere inside us we wonder, boy, sure glad that's not me. Wonder what's really going on. In John chapter 9, the disciples were with Jesus. You can put that scripture up for me if, if you wouldn't mind. John chapter 9. The disciples were with Jesus. And as they were going along, they saw a man, it says there, who was blind from birth. And the disciples voiced their feeling. They said, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? Because he's blind. What were they saying? They were saying, well, obviously there's a problem here. Somebody has sinned. And God is judging that sin. Think about it for a moment. The guy was born blind. How much could a guy who is one day old have sinned that he would be born blind? I mean, it doesn't even make sense, does it? But they asked the question because that was what they understood, right? Somebody must have sinned. God is displeased. It's obvious. Look, born blind. And if it isn't the child, mom or dad, come on, fess up. You better tell you, come on, get it straight, because obviously something's wrong, and, and God is judging your child because he's blind. And a lot of us would do the same thing. We would think the same way. That when somebody's not doing well, when they're in the valley, when things are struggling, when things aren't wonderful, it must be because God's displeased and God's judging. In fact, he's taking his presence away. He's not there. Live with all of the difficulties of life. Do you see what Jesus answers? Jesus answers. Isn't, this is a great answer that Jesus gives. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. In other words, it's not God judging sin and pushing it into somebody's life and showing the whole world that there's sin. How many of you would like to have all of your sins displayed to the whole world? Just let me see your hand for a second. I better put mine down because I don't want to either. Right? And sometimes we think, oh my, when I get to heaven, my whole life is going to flash on the big screen of heaven. And everybody's going to see my whole life. Well, aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed and cleansed us and removed our sin from us? And when God looks at the screen of my life, he's going to say, not guilty. Hallelujah. Not because I haven't done stuff, just like you, but because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed and cleansed and set us free. 
He sees the problems. He sees the sin. He sees the, the disease. He sees the sickness. He sees the difficulty. And Jesus came into this world to set us free and to bring us life and to take all of those problems away. That's what he came to do. So Jesus says, no, it's not because of sin. It's not God judging and showing his, his displeasure with somebody or something. That's good news for us. But he goes on, and this is what he says. He says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Hallelujah. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? In this life, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be sickness because of sin. From the fall of Adam, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be all sorts of issues. All of that's going to happen. But when that happens, God is able to come. Hallelujah. God who is on our side. God who is the God who fights for us. God who cares for us and loves us. God who says that we can come to him anytime, all of the time, right into his presence to find mercy and find grace through his son, Jesus Christ. He comes and he changes our circumstances. He does something about it. It doesn't matter if you're born blind. God can change that. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if, the, if, if cancer comes to Steve Cheller. God, in Jesus' name, can change that. Hallelujah. And that's good news for every single one of us. Because there's stuff that happens in the world. It's not because God is displeased. It's not because God's trying to teach you a lesson. It's not because God just wants to make sure that you don't get too holier than thou in the world. It's because all of the stuff is in the world. But Jesus came into the world, my Bible tells me, to destroy the works of the devil. To come to bring us life full and abundant. That's what it's about. Jesus says, this happened. But don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that God can do something about the issues of life. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's the kind of good news that the gospel brings to every single one of us. Hallelujah. God is saying, through what I read and through what we've read here together, that he's a God who doesn't change. He's not up and down like our feelings. He's not up and down like the price of gas, even if they can push a button digitally on the inside today. He's not that way. He's consistent. I am God. I change not. When you're on the mountaintop, I'm God. Hallelujah. When you're in the valley, I'm God. Hallelujah. God doesn't change to adapt to the circumstances. And let me tell you, God doesn't change to adapt to your circumstances. There's some great truth in some of the songs that are being written today. We listen to the Christian station on the, on the boom box in our, in our kitchen, and we let it play all day, and there's some great songs. One of the songs that I heard recently, uh, it's very good. It says, Jesus comes and he just accepts you the way you are. How many are glad that Jesus accepts you the way you are? Isn't that good news? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be holy. In fact, you can't be. In your sin, in your problems, with all of the stuff of your past, Jesus accepts you the way you are. Come to Jesus just like that. Well, let, you know, let me just get cleaned up a little bit. No, Jesus will clean you up better than you can clean you up. That's what it's about. Jesus comes so that we, who are full of sin, far from God, dead in our trespasses and sins, can come to God through Jesus Christ. We come just the way we are. It doesn't matter the degree of sin or how many sins, we can come as we are. 
But there seems to be a little bit of human manipulation in that thought that's coming into the church these days. I can just come to Jesus just the way I am. And it doesn't matter all the way I am because Jesus doesn't judge me. He just accepts me. It's cool. And that's where our human nature starts to manipulate the goodness of God. Because when I read about what Jesus came to do, Jesus came to take us out of death and bring us into life. He came to take us out of darkness and bring us into his marvelous light. He came, and when we accept Jesus, my Bible tells me, old things are passed away, everything becomes new. He doesn't just leave us the way we are. He doesn't leave us with all our sins. He doesn't say it's okay to just keep doing all that stuff as long as you come to me and as long as you love me. Just come to church, lift up your hands, and say Jesus once in a while, and it's all good. And that's what the human nature is doing. And that's why a lot of people are coming and they, they aren't accepting Jesus so that they'll get changed. They aren't letting Jesus do a work of salvation and make them new. They just want to stay the way they are, but they want Jesus as well. And when the church gets full of that stuff, we are in deep trouble. Because it's not about that. It's about that Jesus came from heaven to die because you have to be changed. Because you need to give up all the stuff. Because if you stay the way you are, you're on your way to hell. That's why Jesus came. Otherwise, he wouldn't have bothered. If we could just stay the way we were, how can we manipulate the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God so that we can continue sinning? It's unbelievable. Jesus came and died because I needed my sins forgiven. I needed to be changed. I'm working on it every day. How about you? I'm wanting Jesus to come and work in me and change me and make me more like him, that I would reflect the goodness of God through Jesus Christ all of the time. But you know what? I will never be perfect. Jesus living inside of me, he's the goodness. The righteousness of Jesus given to me, that's why God can accept us. When we stand in heaven one day, come and shake my hand because then I'll be perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Till then... Have you discovered that's true in the church? Have you met any perfect people in the church? Have you met a few that want to act like they're perfect? Have you met a few like that? But none of us is perfect. Why? Because we're works in progress. We're human. But that's why Jesus came. Hallelujah. Can I give you good news today? Come to Jesus just the way you are. There's no restriction. There's no sin. There's nothing that can stop you from the grace and the goodness of, of God through Jesus Christ. His blood will cleanse you from every and all sin. Hallelujah. He will set you free and make you brand new. And the way you were before is not the way you will be in Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's allow Jesus to change us. So I want to tell you something today. God says, when you're on the mountain, he's God. When you're in the valley, he's God. Because he's a God that doesn't change by, by shifting sands and by the winds of all of the stuff around us. He remains constant all the time. Let me tell you, it's great to be on the mountaintop. Get all the mountaintop experiences you can. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with enjoying the blessing of God. In fact, you know what? When I let God do things, man, my life is blessed. 
I'm on the mountaintop. Things are going great. Even when I go through the troubles, even when my wife gets sick, even when there's trouble around, you know what? I know the presence of God in my life that it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. So get all the mountaintop experiences you can. Great to be on the mountain. But when you're in the valley, and when somehow a valley experience comes to you, and you don't know what to do, and you start to point the fingers at yourself and wonder what's wrong with you, and other people cross to the other side of the aisle when you're coming, let me just remind you, God went to a lot of trouble here to prove to us that he's a God of the valleys. Hallelujah. He's a God when you're going through it. In fact, my Bible tells me that when you go through the valley, that's when you discover the goodness and the presence and the power of God in a way that you never discover God on the mountaintop. Because he's taking you when you... You know what? One of the great psalms that we all know, Psalm 23, what did David say? When I walk through the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because... Your rod and your staff. Do you remember the staff last week? Thank you, Shiley. You did a great job. Didn't Shiley do a great job last week? My rod and staff, they comfort me. You're there. You're shepherding me. You're helping me. Even when I walk through the deepest, darkest valley, it's the valley of death. You're there. You don't abandon me. Hallelujah to God. That's good news. That's great news. He doesn't abandon us. In fact, he comes to us. He brings comfort. He brings strength. He brings what we need. I read in Isaiah chapter 41. It says that God is our God. He'll be with us. He'll strengthen us. He'll bless us. He tells me in verse 17 and verse 18 there that when I go to the places when it's dry and I feel like nothing's happening, God will bring about streams in the desert. He will make springs rise up in the valleys hallelujah that's the way God is I want you to be encouraged today you say pastor I've, I'm going through tough times I'm hurting I don't know what to do I feel like I can't pray when I'm in the valley I feel like when I'm in those kind of places when it's dark and I feel the attack of the devil and the attack of the world around me and I wonder where God is let me give you some good news today God is a God of the valleys He's a God who's present there. He's got purpose. He's got precious things that he wants to pour out upon you, even in those times. And if we will allow God to be our God in the valleys, he will turn it around. He'll bring good things into our lives. He'll bring us back. It will change because God is our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today we're going to open the altar so that you can come for prayer. The worship team is going to come and they're going to sing and they're going to sing as long as there are people that want to stay and be prayed for. There's going to be a sense of, well, it's time for me to go. Whenever you're ready to go, please feel free to go. Whenever you're ready to, to make your way home, go for a coffee, have a visit out in the foyer, that's fine. Please feel comfortable to do that. But you know what? I have a sense that many of us just need to come and have somebody agree with us and pray for us today. Some of us that we walk into the building, we brushed our teeth, we brushed our hair, we look good on the outside. But inside we're hurting. There's pain. There's difficulty. Sometimes we feel like we're going through the valley and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Won't you come 
and let somebody agree with you and pray with you today. Our prayer team is going to be here. We're going to pray and we're going to believe that the God who is a God of the mountaintops will be God in the valleys. That He will show Himself strong in your circumstance and through your circumstance. Some of you need to come and, 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 and stand for Heather and, and Steve Challoner. Some of you know some other people that you need to come for. Your children, your, your spouse that doesn't know Jesus. Some of you need to come and stand for our country. Some of you need to come and stand for our community. Some of you need to come and, and stand for our church. You know, it can feel like sometimes when we're going through a transition that we as a church are in a valley. Things, things aren't the way they were. What, what's going to happen? Is God really with us? Has God got plans for us in the future? You know what I discover when I read this passage? Even when you feel like we as a church are in a bit of a valley, not knowing what the future is, that's when God chooses to show up. That's when God wants to show up and show His power. He's got good thoughts. He's got good plans. He's got stuff far more than you can imagine or think. In fact, my Bible, if I was to translate it, would say that God wants to blow your mind with the good things that He's got prepared if you'll love Him and serve Him. That's true for our church. Hallelujah. There are better days ahead than we've ever experienced. We're not going backwards. We're going forwards in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're believing that God's got good things. We're believing that even if you feel like we're in the valley, that God's going to bring us to mountaintop experiences with His presence and His power. Amen? Amen. So stand with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, thank you for recording these stories in your Word, in the Bible. Thank you that as we read them, that we can have faith rise up in our hearts. That even though we are living in a very modern world, we're living in a place where things go wrong, where sometimes we wonder if you're really there, if you really care. We're wondering sometimes, like, is it worth serving you, O oh God? But thank you for the account today. I pray that faith will rise up in every heart and every spirit in Jesus' name today. We will trust you. We will believe you. We will say, oh God, you are our God. We're not going to let go of you. Thank you that as we pray and as we seek your face, that you will come and show yourself strong, that you will win victory for us, that you will bring blessing into our lives. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear. Hallelujah. We will not worry about the evil overtaking. You will come and you will comfort and you will strengthen us and you will lead us, O oh Lord, into the paths that you've got for us. Beautiful green pastures by the still waters where you restore our soul. We're believing you for that in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that as the prayer team stands around this altar and as people come and as we pray about so many things today, that you will hear every prayer, that you will agree, Lord Jesus, with us as we pray, that you will come and do what seems in the world's opinion seems impossible but you will do good things in your name for your glory you will touch us and you will bless us and you will help us so that we can go out in victory so that we can go out to serve you so that we can go out with our head held high and our shoulders back believing that as children of God that we're living in purpose on purpose for your honor and for your glory in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen worship him go ahead as they start to sing prayer team come come stand around the altar of this church face the congregation thanks for listening to stoville pentecostal church audio podcast for more information about stoville pentecostal church please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca have a great week